Jordan Sheridan with Jen Dyes. And this is the inaugural edition of the Status Quo podcast. Um, I don't really know exactly what we're going to do here. We loosely have some topics to talk about. <laughs> We'd like to make this a little different than the rest of the uh, 20,000 podcasts out there. Um, so it'll be an experiment. And uh, we're going to do this at least uh, once a week. Uh, one podcast for free. And then we're still figuring out uh, the membership only portion. We might have specific segments for free, uh, excuse me, specific segments just for members or full podcasts just for members. Um, and I think that for, for members only, we're probably going to do what we always do, which is speak directly to the people and, and make those uh, segments available for our members. You can become a status quo member for $5 a month, statusquo.com slash join. Which brings us to, uh, obviously, we'll start with the coronavirus. I'd yeah. like to start with the very, very scary proposition. I don't know if you've seen this, Jen. That currently at almost 3 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday, March 24th, Britney Spears is doing more for people <laughs> affected by the coronavirus economically than our federal government. No I offense. have seen this. No, I'm not mocking Britney. Love her music. Know she's fallen on some tough times in recent years. Britney Spears is tweeted out. Uh, basically, you know, she wants to help people. Send me your PayPal um, information and I'll send you money. And she's just doing this through direct message. So uh, Britney Spears is now the um, UBI of our of our time uh because the republican for Brittany. the republican party obviously uh works for boeing corporate america uh wall street fossil fuels uh all of these terrible entities and the democratic party basically works for them too but just isn't as craven about it so you basically have one party that's just transparently corrupt but has hoodwinked america on the culture wars and another party that is a weak opposition party that is also corrupt and counters the corrupt party by offering crumbs. Uh, no wonder, uh, what are we now, six days from mortgages, rents, car payments, all of your monthly payments due, uh, most Americans are SOL. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, good for Brittany. It's, it's great. People on the internet, on the interwebs, of course, are calling her comrade Brittany because she's as you say, now the UBI for, for Americans, and it should be so much more from uh, our I, actual government. I see one person uh, sent out, queen of the proletariat, Britney Spears is. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, something that I find just like unbelievably striking about this, and honestly, uh, I've told you this, so you could say, Jordan, you know, tell the truth, but I've always told you this. I have no desire to run for political office, but... I have been thinking we'd all last, be in trouble then <laughs> I've been thinking in the last few days if frankly I know some of our viewers won't like it if Bernie isn't going to take the lead right now when I say take the lead I mean I think he should be doing even more uh, in terms of a leadership the live streams are great but I'm talking like calling out the Democratic Party right now calling out the Republican Party going you know press conferences uh, the whole thing um, if Nancy Pelosi isn't going to do it, 
obviously Joe Biden isn't doing it. He's still trying to figure out the lighting. Um, Trump, I'm sorry to uh, boil this down to politics, but Trump has just, for any, anyone with like just an ounce of, uh, I, I guess, lack of better word, balls, uh, women too, uh, figuratively, obviously, in the case of a woman, <laughs> uh, anyone with just an ounce of balls here, Trump is just giving you layup after layup after layup after layup yet to, to just demolish him because it's a disaster, the federal response. Yet his approval rating is, is going up. Right. How, how is this possible? Let me just read and get your thoughts. If you're one of the 12% of adults who get their potential political news off Twitter, you might think the coronavirus pandemic is the end of Donald Trump's political career. He seems to be getting slammed left and right on the platform for his response. But while the president's position for re-election is perilous and could worse, worsen, Trump's been weathering the coronavirus pandemic decently in the polls so far. Uh, I looked at the pollsters who conducted multiple polls in March among registered voters. I broke down the month into eight-day periods. Uh, he is, here's what Trump's net approval is, averaged in each of these periods. Uh, basically, in the last few days, He's down seven points, uh, but he's still, it, uh, plenty of Americans are approving of the job he's doing, hand, handling the coronavirus pandemic. In the Monmouth poll, 51% of voters say Trump is doing a good job dealing with it. This echoes an uh, Ipsos poll that showed 55% approved of the job Trump was doing. So just to lay out to the audience, if you haven't had TV on or whatever, in the, just in the last few days, Jen, he basically said, yeah, I'm going to bail out my companies. He basically is now, uh, basically he won't authorize the defense appropriation bill. I don't, I don't, I might be misstating what it is that he could easily uh, enforce. Uh, it is uh, defense uh, power that we could be manufacturing the ventilators, uh, masks, all those things in bulk, like right away. Um, and now you see the doctors behind him, Anthony Fauci, who has been the, lo the lone voice of reason, is not even behind him anymore. They're, I guess they're not letting him in the press conferences anymore. Uh, the, the woman who is his coronavirus, I don't know if she's the czar. Sima. Yeah. Um, you see her watching behind Trump, and she could hardly keep that fake smile because he is directly going against what the medical experts are saying. He is basically saying, well, you know, if, if we got to just gamble a little bit here, we got to gamble as far as reopening the economy because we can't keep the economy down. Going against medical professionals. Yeah. Why is, why is it that Trump is going up in approval? It, basically because there's no leader uh, calling him out for any of these in an effective way. Yeah, I think people right now are looking for leadership. Every, nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows what will happen. And in a case like this, people want to turn to leaders. They want someone to tell them that it's going to all be okay. They want someone to tell them, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. And I think that is what Trump is providing. So we have him now saying that he wants to reopen things by Easter, which I believe is April 12th or so. And, um, and 
going against medical advice. That's probably why Tony Fauci is not out there anymore is because he's going against what Trump is saying. Trump, when he, when he gets out there and, and makes his statements or when he tweets whatever he's tweeting, people look to that as leadership, even though it's not true leadership. And then we have the other faction, I guess, who's now looking to Cuomo for leadership, and he's providing what, what people see as a kind of a vacuum of leadership in Trump. So we have these kind of two factions where it pretty much is, seems to be split kind of right down the middle. And something that's amazing, and by the way, Gallup just came out with a poll, Trump said 49%, which is the highest ever in his presidency. So honestly- wow. <laughs> Just wow. And as we speak, the, the number one, uh, well, number two hashtag uh, on Twitter is reopen America. So this basically is falling on partisan lines because even his supporters, who by the way are, I, I'm pretty sure some Republicans are getting coronavirus too. I don't think it like, you know, bends around and avoids Republicans. Uh, his supporters are listening to him because frankly, there's no current democratic leader. Now, Bernie is obviously doing a lot of good things, the live streams, but I'm talking about you need one figure to call them both out. The yeah. Republicans for their corruption, I mean, calling for a $500 million slush fund with no accountability. And let's be real, even with the quote unquote accountability that Nancy Pelosi is pushing, she's talking about having the inspector general oversee the 500 million mixed with five people from Congress. Okay, so the inspector general is gonna oversee it. They're still gonna divert it to Boeing and Exxon and all the usual suspects. And the inspector general is going to write a report about it and then nothing will happen. And five lawmakers are going to oversee it. So what? They're not going to stop that. So there is nobody at this point, you kind of need like, um, I, I don't know. I don't know who to compare it to, but you kind of need somebody who will just say, I'm, I'm not even going to, you know, sit here and try and be diplomatic with the Democratic Party, which Bernie has been doing for several years. He, he does criticize the Democratic Party, but not scorched earth. But you need somebody who's hollering at, you know, the moon, basically saying this should not be going on for three days. Because even when you make an agreement, it's not like you could just snap your finger and get the direct payments to people right away. It's going to take a little bit of time to get these direct payments to people. And unless they put a freeze on uh, rent, mortgages, all these payments, people have all these uh, uh, requirements in six days. So the time is running out. And honestly, I wish Bernie, uh, within health, obviously, uh, and, and safety, would go out in front of his house, call for a press conference and say what Nancy Pelosi is doing is not acceptable and what the Republicans are doing is even worse. We, this is what we need right away and explain it. And I, I don't understand, you know, Joe Biden, his, I mean, we could get into why, but his presentations have been so weak. Literally, where is somebody to just say that what, what President Trump, let me be clear, mark my words, what President Trump is advocating reopening the economy is going to end up having us restart this whole process. Only the next time we have to restart this whole process, it might be for a year. Because it's not like if you reopen, he's talking about reopening companies and having people without symptoms go into work. Literally, the doctors behind them are the ones saying you don't have to have symptoms. 
a lot of the, a lot of the patients don't have symptoms, and if they go out, they're going to transmit it to people. A lot in a lot of cases, when you contract it, you don't feel the symptoms for seven to fourteen days. Italy, which has been worse than China, is after I think after a month it's been of a complete lockdown, is just starting to have uh, less cases. I think they went from seven hundred sixty-three deaths two days ago down to seven hundred, and now down to like six something. So. That's after a month lockdown. We've been, what, 10 days? I mean, it's just, he is, Trump is offering a political layup to anyone who can communicate effectively, but more importantly, has the will to do it. And for whatever reason, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, uh, I think Bernie is choosing not to go that route. And I wonder why. I think you're right that Bernie has this perfect chance to get out there to he's not, he's most likely not going to become the Democratic nominee unless something crazy happens. But it, he still has a huge platform. He still has this audience of people who are ready and waiting to listen to him. As I said, there's a, a vacuum in leadership right now. And Bernie could fill that for his supporters, for others, and act as de facto president in a way and just get out there and and inform people of what is happening and what needs to happen based on what experts are saying. And he's done roundtables. He's met with a lot of experts. He's put out these great live streams that people really appreciated, but he could be doing more. I, I agree with you. And when we say could be doing more, we're not talking about, you know, do a live stream every day. We're not talking about the logistics. We're talking about the message. Yes, it's important for him to do live streams and for Congresswoman Tlaib and AOC and Ilhan Omar uh, to be there and to be reiterating uh, all that the CDC is saying and social distancing and he has musical acts and guests. But right now is kind of the point where you would want him to be like, here's what the Republicans are proposing. It's absolutely obscene. And here is what the Democrats are offering, which might get people through a month. <laughs> right? But Here's what we need to be. And frankly, to call out both. I mean, I said that already, but I, I think the reason he's not is for the same reason that he has missed many opportunities on his campaign. I think he sees Donald Trump as the, great, the greater threat than the Democratic Party. And because of that, he doesn't want to go scorched earth on Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, whatever, because he doesn't want to risk helping Trump win re-election. But right. I, actually, I actually think what he's not realizing is by but this leadership vacuum, because Joe Biden isn't filling it. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> this leadership vacuum is helping Trump. It is Absolutely. helping Trump. I think even some Democrats are secretly looking to Trump and, and paying attention to what he's saying and taking some comfort in what he's saying, even if they would never admit it, because people seek that. I mean, psychologically right now, that is what is needed. and if the only options are Trump or Sleepy Joe, <laughs> what are you gonna do? It's really right. scary. Right, and I also think that, you know, turning to Biden, um, I think that, listen, everybody has a different point of view. To me, um, I think that there's about a four to 5% chance that Bernie, talking because he hasn't dropped out yet, can win the Democratic nomination still. Very, very small chance. But you have to, that chance can only happen 
if Bernie was still actively campaigning against Joe Biden, which he's not. What I mean by that is he's not criticizing Joe Biden at this point. Uh, and there is much to criticize. I mean, I'll give you an example. We'll get to like the cognitive failures, but Joe Biden today in his, I, I think he was on The View, or uh, I don't know if it was today or yesterday in that right. bizarre live stream, was it? Um, he said, you know, we're the strongest economy in the world. Uh, we, we will rebound from this, blah, blah, blah. And this is the cognitive dissonance of the neoliberal class. They actually think we are the strongest economy in the world. We're not the strongest economy in the world. We are the strongest oligarchy in the world. We are the strongest uh, economy as far as, you know, sir, uh, luxury goods and services for people who can afford it. But we're also one of the most unequal economies in the world. I think the last ranking uh, world income inequality index, we were at three or four. So this is something if I was running against them, I'd say, I don't know what, you know, before the coronavirus, people were hanging by a thread and you're now saying, oh, we're the strongest economy in the world. We'll bounce back from this. No, we won't. The people struggling right now will be struggling more unless they get a moratorium on rent, uh, more, uh, rent, mortgages, car payments, student loans, all this. And why won't? And why won't the Republicans or Democrats call for a moratorium? Because their donors are the same banks that own all those things. And the banks won't allow it. That's why. And you don't really hear this messaging from Bernie. But Biden is giving you all sorts of ways to go after him. Maybe Bernie thinks now's not the time to go after this and that. But I think people are looking for leadership. I really do. And if he was still trying to win, over 50% of the states have not voted yet. Do you think he's still trying to win? No. I agree. I think it seems like he's, he's not given up uh, as far as being a voice for the people, but it seems like he's given up in the race. You know, now he's pivoted to raising money for, for coronavirus um, charities and things like that, which is great. And all of his live streams and things like that are related to coronavirus, which is great and wonderful. But it seems like the actual fight is he's out um, in his mind. And I don't know why that is. As you say, he's not going up against Joe Biden. He's not um, calling out anything that Joe Biden says or does that's incorrect or wrong or even on policy. And I think maybe, maybe I agree that it's not the time, but I also, it's just a feeling of, of doneness for him. I think it is the time. I mean, we're in a pandemic. Yesterday was the uh, highest death count in America, 100 deaths. Uh, and political decisions are what are going to get us out of this. Obviously, well, health decisions are, are what's going to get us out of this. But the health professionals can't do what they need to do without the politicians providing the masks, the ventilators, uh, the hospital beds, the, you know, the staffing. So political decisions, political leadership, and political courage are it's what is needed right now. And I, you know, I think he's not doing it because frankly, I think Bernie has made the calculation like we talked about. Trump is such a grave threat that I'm just going to bite my tongue because I don't want to go down in history as like a Ralph Nader kind of, not in the way, not in the way of like running as a third party candidate, but being blamed because they would, would blame Bernie if he went scorched earth. But the thing that I think Bernie doesn't understand, maybe he does understand it, but he just, doesn't decide this, by you not doing this, 
you're putting forward, you're allowing somebody very easily without really being challenged to go through, go forward that is likely to lose to Donald Trump. If your main mission is to defeat Donald Trump, well, wouldn't you want to combat the person that clearly is going to lose to Donald Trump? And I say that because Bernie's not a dummy. He has too much integrity to ever say anything like this. During the Fox town hall, he, you know, gracefully said, I'm not getting into Joe Biden's cognitive abilities. But listen, I'm not going to go the Kyle Kalinske route here and say he clearly has the D word. But Joe Biden is literally falling apart in front of our eyes. Yes. You and I, status quo has been leading the charge at this point, six months to a year, saying we're not doctors, we're not going to diagnose him, but there's clearly something off here. And his campaign is hiding him. That's why it is, you know, five days went by between him winning those three states that should have never uh, held elections, by the way, and him doing a, a live stream, which was a disaster. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is that he literally on his live stream fell apart when his teleprompter went down? His brain discombobulated. He clearly, this is clearly, I don't know the proper medical term, but it's, it's something management. His campaign is exercising something management to manage whatever is going on with Joe Biden. And it's evident to anyone with a brain uh, watching, and it just seems to be getting worse, yet the media, the Democratic Party, and by Bernie not saying anything, which I get, um, it's kind of just like land to make believe, let's close our eyes and hope for the best come November. Well, as we've talked about, and, and as Michael Moore talked about on his podcast, in talking to Michael Moore has spoken with Democratic Party leaders and DNC leaders and people in the know, and everybody is, knows it. Everybody's talking about it, this cognitive decline of Joe Biden. No one, no one can diagnose him, of course. But he also, Michael Moore, reported that there are plans in place to just have a great VP all ready to go, which is not really a plan and is putting our democracy at risk if, well, we don't really have a democracy, but putting the um, illusion of democracy at risk. And we've spoken to other people in media who are in mainstream media and who would never come out and say there's something going on. If this were Bernie Sanders, this would be headlines absolutely everywhere. But because it's Joe Biden, nowhere to be found. But anyone with eyes can see it. Anyone who is not in denial can see it. There's something wrong with Joe Biden. Can I, can I say, and you know, teasing uh, stuff like this will maybe be for the members only portion of the podcast, but this time it's free for everyone. I was, where was I? This was New Hampshire. I was in New Hampshire. Statuscoo.com slash join. <laughs> yes, statuscoo.com slash join. Uh, we have no money from the fossil fuckers, no money from the big banks, no money from big real estate, no money from Silicon Valley, and of course, no money from Wall Street. We are funded by you, statuscoo.com slash join. Five bucks a month, you can make it happen. And even we're being affected by coronavirus. I mean, obviously, our health is okay, knock on wood, but we're losing memberships. And, and people are emailing us, so sorry, love you guys, but I just got laid off. So we understand. Uh, we understand for sure uh, that even, you know, this is hitting the working class, which is our viewership the most. So we're hoping for those that uh, can afford it, uh, $5 a month, statuscoo.com slash join. But I was at a New Hampshire rally uh, during the primary, and I won't say who, but there was a Washington Post person there. And I passed by this person and I heard this person talking to another person. I don't know who they were talking to. I don't know if it was their colleague or whatever, 
just being like straight up, like, ah, it looks like Alzheimer's to me. My, and I heard them say like, yeah, my grandpa, that's how he started off. So this is being talked about. I, uh, you know, I talked to Crystal Ball a while ago and, and she was telling me like, yeah, people are talking about it. I'm hearing about it from, from people and people meaning like people in this town. So it's like a not so hidden secret. And you literally had his wife strangely oh. on Tuesday after he won Arizona, Illinois, in Florida, he gave uh, a response victory speech, obviously a little awkward just because it was, it was a digital with no audience because of coronavirus. But it's almost like when he finished the speech, I don't know if he was like waiting for a, a signal from like the stage hand, like, all right, we're done. But it looked like he just like froze and like didn't know what was going on, forgot where he was. And his wife came out almost like he was a patient and like hugged him and kissed him and like, and he was like, oh, hi. It, it was just bizarre to watch and it makes you wonder. And then when she walked off, she said she walked out of the frame and then she said, Joe, real softly to like continue calling him over. He didn't get it. I mean, honestly, call me cynical Susie here, Jen, and you know I'm a cynical man. <laughs> I think the Democratic Party is just trying to get their goal, which is to get Bernie out drag Biden's politically lifeless body. I mean, not literally, we don't want him to die. Uh, body, and just if they have to, replace him with somebody else at the convention. Anything to stop Bernie. Anything to stop Bernie. I think that they do care about beating Trump only for their own interests, not for the interests of the people. But as long as they can get a warm body to convention, that's all they care about. And there's no disputing that in my estimation. It's it's just clear. It's so clear. There's something wrong with him. He's, he's in decline. And it's really sad to watch. If you listen to his speeches from, from Obama years versus now, it is sad. If you're a human being with feelings, even if you don't love Joe Biden, which I do not, <laughs> it's, it's really sad to see someone in decline. And I have to wonder about Jill Biden. Why would she allow this the man clearly cannot make decisions on his own at this stage. So I, I wonder what the people around him are doing and how they could be, in my estimation, this cruel to let this go on. But I also think one of the, one of the real dangers here um, is, and I, and I think this is part of why I'm a little like, what is Bernie doing? I mean, everything that I have criticized Bernie for not doing, like going nuclear on Joe Biden for his civil rights lies, all these things. I mean, the RNC and Trump already have all this lined up. I mean, they've probably got ads just waiting to be oh, yeah. to go out. And they're also going to have ads just stitching together his stumbles, mumbling through the Declaration of Independence, confusing his wife and his sister. And the American people, majority of the American people are not political. The majority of the American people start tuning in like during the general election debates or during the primary right before their state's primary. And a lot of people, I mean, look at it. The United States, right? The United States had a surplus when Bill Clinton left office. Yeah, he got blowjobs and all that. But the U.S. <laughs> had a surplus. The U.S. A was, surplus of blowjobs. The, the economy was doing well on paper, obviously not in for working people, but on paper, the economy was doing well. George W. Bush won. Why? Because people could connect to him and Al Gore was a huge bore. Well, 
if Al Gore was a huge bore who couldn't inspire anyone, what's going to happen? You can, by the way, you could say the same thing for John Kerry. I mean, my left toe had more charisma. Well, <laughs> if Joe Biden can't get through speeches, if Joe Biden, you know, if people in, in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona, Florida, all they're going to see is ads about Joe Biden losing his mind, losing his mind, doesn't know where he is. Uh, I love children rubbing my hairy legs. I'm not making this up. He so said it. weird. <laughs> it, it's he a nightmare. He did say it. He said it, it. It is a complete nightmare. And I honestly, I don't expect Bernie to go that route, attacking him based on cognitive stuff. Uh, I think that would backfire. But I don't know why Bernie is not saying for the for the 50% of the country that has not voted yet. Obviously, we care about all the country. But for the 50% of voting that has not uh, a state. 50% of the country that has not voted, this pandemic will end. But the gaping holes you're seeing, uh, the fact that we don't have paid sick leave, the fact that we don't have Medicare for all, the fact that we don't even have money for research and development to prevent these pandemics. Uh, they say, oh, Trump got rid of Obama's pandemic office or whatever. Yes, that's true. But e even if it was President Obama under this, they'd still be relying on corporate America to save us. The government, Bernie Sanders has an opportunity to say, the, day, the daily pandemic that we were already living in, where people had to go to work. I mean, did you see that video with that uh, McDonald's worker that went viral that was talking about uh, he was having stomach pains and I think diarrhea, but he's just went to work because he doesn't have any paid sick leave. I didn't um, see that. So it, it's just, uh, you know, I don't want to clobber Bernie because obviously he's done so much already, but I just, I wish... I, as a, as a progressive, just see this vacuum. Trump could be clobbered right now. And this is the one thing that Trump can't market his way out of and bullshit his way out of. You want to know why? You can't scream fake news to the numbers. You can't scream fake news that 100 people died today. And, and the virus is going to stop because Trump says, like, yeah, we're going to go back to work. But you know what? He can. It's, not, it's never going to be true, but he can scream that and his followers will follow him. Even if the, no matter what the numbers say, they'll believe him, I think. Maybe I have a little naivete left. I think it would be very maybe. hard, even for <laughs> Donald Trump. Because you got to remember, the people that are dying are, are also, I mean, Louisiana right now, hardly a progressive bastion. Trump, Trump land. Louisiana, other than New York City, has the highest amount of cases. So, like, he could say it, but, I mean, it's affecting his voters, too. So, I don't think... It is. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I see um, on conspiracy message boards and things like that, that people's Wait, Trump you're, voters. You're, 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 you frequent conspiracy messages? I do. I find them fascinating. I find them psychologically just the most fascinating thing. So that's what I do in my downtime, <laughs> read conspiracy message boards. We'll do, but, a whole, we'll do a whole podcast on JFK. Yay! That would make me so happy. My bookshelves are full of JFK conspiracy, not conspiracy, but cons facts, <laughs> JFK facts. Um, anyway, I think, you know, a lot of these people are saying that coronavirus isn't even real or that it, or that it's being overblown by the fake news media, that the numbers are fake, that um, they just want a government control, government takedown. Trump has primed these people to believe that the media, and we are no proponent of mainstream media, they do, they are propaganda machines. But Trump has primed these, his followers to such a degree that they believe absolutely nothing that comes out of mainstream media's mouths. 
And if, if, you know, you have to remember there's QAnon people. There are people who believe such wacky things that are so out of this world. There are flat earthers out there. These are, for the most part, Trump supporting people. I'm not saying all Trump supporters are like this. I'm saying that Trump has really primed them to disbelieve facts and truth. And as long as there are people out there saying, oh, coronavirus is a hoax, coronavirus um, response is a hoax. That's probably why that hashtag you said was trending earlier. What was it? Um, and the shutdown or something like that, whatever it was, is trending because it's because people also want it to be false. Psychologically, people want this to not be as bad as the experts are saying it is. They want it to be over. They want it to be okay to go out by April 12th, like Trump is saying. So I don't, I really don't have much faith that that if Trump says the numbers are fake, or if Trump says don't listen to the media, or if Trump says whatever he decides to tweet at 3 a.m. on the toilet, that people won't believe it. I think they will. A lot of people will. Do you have behind the scenes information that Trump's preferred tweeting place is the toilet? <laughs> I do not. I just, in my mind, it's, it's Trump getting up, leaving, leaving orange um, dust on the toilet seat as he exits the room. And, and by the way, as you said that, the United States has just crossed 50,000 cases of coronavirus. Wow. And uh, according to Sean King, I, I, I assume he's right, uh, is currently on pace to overtake Italy and China within the next two weeks. And literally, oh you have the President of the United States saying, hey, I think we're ready to go back to work by Easter. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. And by the way, what drives me crazy, <laughs> we should, Colin can edit that so we could use it again. That sound. Um, <laughs> you know, Joe Biden during the debate is like, look at Italy. They got single payer and they're a disaster. Uh. First of all, part of the reason that Italy's numbers skyrocketed is because they have enough tests. Why do they have enough tests? Well, not, not right off the bat, but they got enough tests right, uh, very quickly because they have universal health care, you fucking idiot. Secondly, <laughs> secondly it has no, uh, Italy, ha it had nothing to do with the fact that they're a single payer country. The fact is they waited too long to lock down the country. Yeah. Just like we have not locked down the country. We have various states doing shelter in place, this and that, but the majority of the country is not. And thirdly, Italy is 60 million people. We have 330. If Italy, after a month lockdown, is just starting to see the cases, uh, the amount of deaths go down by day. After uh, a month lockdown, we have, I don't know the math, three, 330 compared to 60 million. That's gotta be at least triple the population size. Um, and we have had a lock, not even a full lockdown like Italy did. Israel's doing a full lockdown. Other countries are doing a full lockdown and they're enforcing it. Police are enforcing it. Uh, so I think we are going, what, what's gonna happen here? I'm not trying to fear monger, but this is just math. It's not like coronavirus is a different shade in America. It's the same type of contagious virus. Uh, we are going to have way worse of an outcome, unfortunately, than Italy. I also think our people are, are, by, are, are just, at the start, more ill than Italy. Uh, yes. we, have, we have more obesity uh, and those kind of things. So um, I think, honestly, and I saw one person uh, write this piece, I think uh, Mehdi Hassan for mm -hmm. The Intercept. I don't agree with it, 
but I, it's close. He said Mike Pence and others should invoke the 25th Amendment because at this mm. point, Trump is going to get people killed. The problem Explain with that, that for people in case someone's not aware. Yeah, the 25th Amendment is an amendment in the Constitution that would allow, I think, the vice president and a certain number of cabinet officials, if they all invoke it and agree, it could remove the president. Uh, I don't know if it has to be all cabinet, all the cabinet. I'm not sure about that. So in normal circumstances, I would say no, because I actually think Mike Pence is more competent than Trump and just as radical, just doesn't tweet it and say crazy shit. He just does crazy shit. Yeah. And in this case, I don't know. He's like a fundamentalist Christian zealot. So maybe he would think just pray it away. So would he be better than Trump? I don't know. But I do think it's close because Trump, um, Trump's not a sociopath. He's a psychopath, <laughs> in my view. Um, so I just don't know. It's, it's basically like shoot yourself in the head or drink the poison. Those two options. <sighs> My gosh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about the, the possibility of, of Pence. Um, what I do know is that a lot of these religious people, like Liberty University, for example, is ignoring orders or suggestions, not direct orders, but suggestions, and they're going back to school. Um, Falwell is having them go back to school. That's the Pence style of Christianity are these people and then you have other GOP members who are going on TV and saying it's okay if grandma dies we need to keep the economy going so there's I don't know that removing Trump would necessarily make it better at all at least Trump is kind of swayable depending on who spoke to him last oh it's just <laughs> all right uh want to move on to something else listen we got we to gotta talk reality. It doesn't look like Bernie's going to win. So that begs the question, where does the progressive movement go from here? Uh, I have a long-winded take on this, but I think there's two options. Wait, you being long-winded would never, I don't, that's not right. possible. Right, statusquid.com. <laughs> By the way, I don't, know if, I don't know if people account for such things, if there's a world record. We should really apply to Guinness. I think some of the live streams I've done on the campaign trail are the longest live streams one person has done in independent something. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. No I one mean, else I, has done a six hour stand up. Like, no. Weren't the ABC crew when you were live for like two, three hours in, De uh, in Detroit, like marveled? They were shocked. So I was, you know, compared to Jordan's six hours, I was only live for, for two hours partially because he lost Michigan and everyone was sad. <laughs> right. um, but they were, I was, you know, I was just live for the straight two hours. It was a normal thing for status quo to do. Um, and the ABC crew came over afterwards and they were like, this guy, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say his name, but this guy who you see on ABC news all the time, um, he had been doing, he was, he was nice. He was very polished and like, GQ polished, but um, he came over and he had, oh, so yeah, so all through the night he had just been doing like one minute, one minute stand-up videos, and then he'd go like have another beer or like eat some more appetizers and just hang out. Then he'd do another one minute and go, like this was all night, so we were there for probably three, four hours in total. So he came over afterwards and he was like, oh my gosh, you were live, you must have been live for, for a couple hours there. And 
and he's like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And this guy is extremely experienced in, in this world. It's just that they've never seen anything like it because they don't do anything like it. Right. And they don't interview like real people. So it's basically. No, he yeah. didn't. No, it was just his things were just him speaking. No interviews of the people at all. Right. Um, so progressive movement from here. I think there's two options. I th- well, there's three. So there's the Dem exit crowd. Uh, there's the Dem takeover crowd. I would put a, uh, there's two schools of thought in the Dem enter, but take it over. So you got Dem exit over there and then Dem takeover, but there's two schools of thought. The first school of thought I think is AOC's school of thought, which is uh, a little bit more pragmatism, building coalitions, courting. Like she said, you know, if Elizabeth Warren doesn't want to endorse Bernie, my instinct is not to attack her. It's to figure out why and, you know, try and change their minds, something like that. And the Washington Post wrote up something like, um, you know, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they call her a radical. She's actually a pragmatist. And she's more about building coalitions, courting the establishment, um, not selling out to the establishment, but, you know, moving them, moving more of them over. Uh, And then there's the third school of thought, which is still taking over the Democratic Party, but a hostile takeover which frankly, Bernie Sanders just didn't do. Of course, he said, we're taking on the establishment, but you know, he did the unity tour with Tom Perez, co-sponsored legislation with Chuck Schumer, I think, uh, you know, signed the agreement that right off the bat, I'll uh, endorse the Democratic candidate if it's not me. And generally, I mean, he did not go after Joe Biden, period. I mean, went after him on record feebly, didn't go for the jugular ever. so what school of thought do you think needs to happen uh, going forward, assuming Donald Trump is reelected? But even if he's not, if it's Joe Biden, progressive movement either way is still going to be uh, growing uh, and active. I, I, don't, I, I don't think we're going back to sleep like, like we did under Obama. Yeah, so I think I probably most closely fall under the AOC school of thought, except, (laughs) except I think she's really naive to think that she can just ask Elizabeth Warren, well, what went wrong? And that Elizabeth Warren will come on over. I I think that's naive because there are politics at play here. So what I think is most pragmatic and most important to do to grow, it's not about Elizabeth Warren. It's about growing the progressive base and growing progressive enthusiasm like it or not we progressives underperformed not as many people came out to vote as we thought Um, young people did turn out in higher numbers but not as many as needed to and i i think we need to figure out and do a real do some real soul searching as to what went wrong this time around we need to figure out how to get more people on over to our side including politicians um, so that's, that's kind of where I fall is I'm, you know, I dem exited in 2016. I was just done. I was fed up. I wanted to not literally, but I wanted to burn the party down and just start over and just be real, just take it on, take it on over. But 
well, not take it over because I dem exited. I went to the Green Party. I was like, okay, we have to build, we have to give them strength. We have to build this. But now I'm of a different mindset because I think unless something radical changes, we are a two party system. And Bernie Sanders ran as a Democrat for a reason. He's not running as an independent for a reason. Whether, and I know Jordan, you have thoughts about him running as an independent, but he's not going to. <laughs> so I, I think that the only thing we can do is figure out where we went wrong, realize that we have not lost. The people right now are realizing how important Medicare for All is. Medicare for All is no longer considered to be radical. Medicare for All now is, is becoming more mainstream, and that's because of Bernie. And, and not just because of Bernie, but because of all of the progressives out there who have made it not seem crazy, who have made it seem necessary, who have shown because partially because of Bernie, but partially because of, of the power of the movement, that Medicare for all is achievable, that every other country like us does it. And it's just us who does not yet. So we have made major, major wins, and that's important, but we really need to figure out our faults and do better next time. Um, I think there's a lot of validity in what you said. Uh, to me, I think the most effective Thing to do is a hostile takeover of the Democratic Ooh, Party. Exciting. Um, I wouldn't want to borrow uh, any of the actual principles of the Tea Party because obviously it was based on racism. They don't really care about debt because the same people that came in as Tea Partiers are the same people that you know signed signed up for Donald Trump's tax cuts and the wars and all that. So they didn't really care about debt or any of that shit. Um, but the bottom line is, it's fine to move the Overton window. But it doesn't matter if you move the Overton window if people are still voting against their own interests. We've moved the Overton window uh, as much as people in these states that are voting for Joe Biden are also saying we favor Medicare for all. So yes, we're moving the window to where things that were previously radical that are mainstream, but they're not voting for the politicians who will actually try to implement them. And how do you get those people until they die off, frankly, the boomers, not all the boomers, a lot of our viewers are boomers who are progressive and with it. But by the data, unfortunately, your fellow boomers are, are not with it. How do you get those boomers to vote uh, for the Bernie Sanders or in the future, if it's AOC, Nina Turner, uh, Rokana, whomever it is? Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of these older voters that voted for Joe Biden, frankly, were swayable. They were swayable. But there wasn't a progressive to basically make the case beyond just the policy against the establishment. For example, perfect example, you did it in Flint. Uh, I should have done it in South Carolina, but I, I just didn't have the chance. I would say maybe, maybe 1%, 2% of black people knew about Joe Biden's lies about civil rights. People don't like that. Even older African-Americans who tend to vote more conservatively, if they feel they're being lied to, right? If they feel that somebody is, I mean, he had to drop out from plagiarism in the 1980s. Uh, John Kerry got swift voted. That was, those, that, those were mostly lies. But if people, if you make a case against somebody, not just for certain policies, but you make the case, the emperor has no clothes. This person is a fraud. This person is a liar. But you need, you need progressives that are willing to do that. You need progressives that are willing to name names. 
the New York Times uh, article that was like a debrief on quote unquote what went wrong with Bernie's campaign, it pointed to one progressive that I think checks all these boxes. Nina Turner was pleading with Bernie Sanders to take off the gloves. So was David Sirota. So was this, so was this pollster. Uh, you know, whatever. We won't get into, uh, we know Bernie chose not to. Nina Turner was pleading for Bernie to start going at Joe Biden on uh, everything from the, the civil rights stuff to um, social security harder. Not just mention, oh, you know, your record is this, that, but really go for the jugular. People say, well, what do you mean go for the jugular? He brought it up during the debates. Well, it's not enough just to say he voted for bad trade deals. I, I would have, if I was in Michigan, brought people on stage that now work three jobs. Former GM people that are now driving Uber uh, in addition to their full-time job. Uh, if, I'm in, if I'm in South Carolina, I would have said, I voted for the crime bill. If I'm Bernie Sanders, I voted for the crime bill and it was a mistake. Joe Biden will still not say it was a mistake and he wrote the damn thing. Joe Biden will still not, in 2016, Joe Biden would have said, no, I don't have any regrets. Let, let, me, let me bring up these family members whose sons are in jail for nonviolent crime, this and that. It was all there for the taking. I'm not saying Joe Biden would have necessarily lost South Carolina, but Bernie wouldn't have lost by 30 points if he would have actually competed on these issues. But according to the New York Times, uh, other places, Bernie and Jane, because Jane, you know, they make a lot of the decisions together, uh, just they didn't want to go negative on Joe Biden. Well, if, if the candidate is fundamentally from the beginning, and not just on the federal level, I'm talking the primaries, uh, congressional, Senate, whatever, if you're not willing to just go scorched earth, then a lot, in a lot of cases, you're not going to win. And why does scorched earth resonate? Because again, most people are, are working multiple jobs, uh, taking care of their kids. Most people, it's easy to complain like, you know, people deserve, you know, people deserve the leaders they vote for. But most people don't have the time to scour the information to find out that, oh, Biden, yeah, he didn't get arrested in South, uh, South Africa. Oh, Biden, yeah, he, a lot of people might not even know he wrote the crime bill. They might not even know what it is. So I, I think we need progressive movement that is going to aggressively go, yes, you got to go after Republicans, but what is allowing Republicans to keep winning? A weak, corrupt Democratic Party. And I think there's only a few leaders out there that are willing to just go scorched earth. To me, Nina Turner is one of them. Uh, to AOC, sometimes she is, sometimes she's not. Um, you know, there are fighters out there uh, on, on the local congressional level uh, that have lost, some have won. Uh, but we need a lot more progressives that are going to kind of be like the Tea Party and take no prisoners and say, no, we're not going to vote for the Democratic candidate. In, in this case, I understand those who will because Trump's a unique threat. But we're going to, and hey, if we need to organize a yellow vest movement, then that's what we're going to do. Because I think, it, I think we're getting to that point here. Um, so that's, and that needs to, you know, because for, the bottom line is, we could have all the organizing in the world. We could have the best ground game in the world. But people need to realize most people, the most they pay attention to before they vote is the debates and, and CNN or MSNBC. So if we don't have candidates in their stump speeches, and during the debates that are just going scorched earth, we're, uh, we're gonna keep losing. That's what I truly believe. I agree with you. I think, I think both things are needed. And as part of the assessment of what went wrong, I think that would come up. And I think Nina Turner, I can, 
I'm trying to imagine her in that position in presidential democratic debates. She would be complete fire. She would, she would go after what's wrong. She would fight for, for the good policies, but she would also fight against the, the bad um, corruption and the bad decisions of the democratic elite. So I think uh, I, I, I like to like look forward to the future because it is depressing for me as a personally as a Bernie supporter that he's most likely not going to win the nomination, but we still have hope. We still have the people um, and we still have people like Nina Turner who could very easily run in the future. Yeah. And honestly, I think, listen, it wasn't an easy election. I'm not saying Bernie, if he would have done everything I'm talking about, would have won. But I will say this, I think that when it was one-on-one, Biden first Bernie, particularly the last debate, he, he clearly made a choice to only go up to a certain line, Yeah. right? He, you know, he was like, wait, you, you didn't say this on the Senate floor? Well, if you just ask him like that, Bernie, do you not think they're just bold-faced liars? Biden, of course, lied. And the media didn't, didn't, didn't say anything. If I'm Bernie, I'm sure his campaign prepped him with it, because I know in 2016 they prepped him with some knockout punches against Hillary. He just chose not to take them. You mm-hmm. say, oh, well, on, on this date, you said this. On this date, you said this. On this date, you said this. Oh, by the way, this wasn't just 20 years ago. In 2012 and 2013, as President Obama's lead negotiator, you were putting cuts to Social Security on the, on the table as part of a grand bargain, were you not? So people didn't hear these things. And... What you, what, you know, what you see is what you get. Of course, it's not only a failure on Bernie's part. Listen, uh, I, I did this in, in uh, my live stream on Sunday. Joe Biden, within three days, got $100 million of free advertising from the media. Uh, you know, advertising consultants took total the amount of free positive coverage he got after South Carolina before Super Tuesday. You had all the dominoes falling. Amy, Pete, Beto, frankly, Warren, you know, as spineless as she is. Uh, basically by her choosing not to endorse Bernie, it was a de facto endorsement of Biden, right? So uh, that was a, that's a hard thing to compete with, but I think there were mistakes before then. And for, to me, for the progressive movement to go forward, you might view the Republican Party as a greater threat. You gotta, you gotta uh, verbally and tactically treat the Democratic Party as more of a threat. Because I think a lot of older voters that right now are the reason the Joe Bidens of the world are winning the primaries, are the reason the Hillary Clintons of the world are winning the primaries. How do I say this nicely? <laughs> I think if you make them feel a little uncomfortable with, with how they're voting, if you, if, you make, if, if you really put it in their face at like, this is the people you're supporting still are, are depriving, you know, if they see the amount of suffering and pain out there, I think you might have more people. Uh, you know, tending to go towards the progressive side. Because this whole notion on Twitter, like, you know, and AOC, like, yeah, if we just talked to Elizabeth Warren, if we just, if Bernie would have just courted the Democratic establishment more, they might have gone their way. No, because that would imply that those politicians are making the decisions on their own. They do what their donors will allow them to do. They do what their donors will allow them to do. So lastly, on this FIRE podcast, I want to talk about something that isn't getting much attention. Water shutoffs, which have been happening in Flint, in Detroit, in other predominantly African-American communities. It's gotten a short-term reprieve because activists basically shamed 
uh, governors like Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, you obviously need water to wash your hands uh, during the coronavirus. And the Detroit mayor, Mike Dugan, a Democrat, held a big fundraiser for Joe Biden recently. He was still going on with water shutoffs until Whitmer stepped in and placed a moratorium statewide on them only because she was shamed by, by activists. And uh, I think Bernie uh, said something before the Michigan primary. But it's temporarily, there's a freeze. But as soon as the oil clear comes that, you know, coronavirus is declining this and that, they're going to start shutting people off again. And there's two schools of thought. On one end, uh, a lot of the water in these places are crappy. And as we've been reporting, contaminated. So, you know, it's not exactly like if their water gets turned on, it's necessarily safe. But if you're poor in Detroit, if you're poor in Flint, if you're poor in Milwaukee, Cleveland, you know, these other places, um, you need water to bathe your kids, right? You need water to cook. And I think it's just, it's this along with the fact that we don't have paid sick leave, no universal health care, none of these safeguards. It's kind of like, okay, so this is an emergency. So we'll temporarily give you, give you back the water. It's not like they're not paying because they're at the casino instead. They don't have enough money for the water. Um, but then when the coronavirus is gone, the mentality is totally going to shift. Oh, it's not an emergency anymore. So the fact that we're going to leave all these people without water in Detroit, Flint, and these other cities, that's not, a, that's not an emergency. That's just price of doing business with the United Corporations of America. Yeah, it's it's really sad, of course, for so many reasons. But what a lot of people don't realize is that water shutoffs don't just impact the person who has had their water shut off. One of the problems that that people saw in Flint saw was that water shutoffs impact the actual flow of water so that it's able to do what it's supposed to do. And it can lead to things growing in it. It can lead to making it less safe. Um, it, it causes so many problems for everybody not just the one person so it's it it doesn't make any sense that these people have to be shamed into doing what is right by not shutting off water water is a human right water is a necessity i just can't it's unfathomable that this democratic governor whitmer had to be shamed into it and that yeah you're right as soon as the coronavirus threat goes away um it's going to be all over once again. It's going to happen once again in these shutoffs. Right. And by the way, shutoffs, but also there's a lot of people that might have gone to the doctor thinking they have coronavirus, had, the same, had similar symptoms, maybe because they didn't have tests. Uh, they sent them home, blah, 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 blah. They're going to get charged for, for that doctor visit or that emergency. I mean, I've already interviewed people that were charged that didn't have insurance. And they were told, well, we don't have the tests, so here's what you do. They've already received, one guy received $200 bill and probably going to get follow-up. I'm still getting bills for my uh, back surgery a year ago, and I had insurance. So it, it, it goes to the point, and this is where I wish Bernie was drawing this point a little bit stronger. These holes that they're talking about temporarily filling, the no paid sick leave, no Medicare for all, uh, you know, what do parents do with no child care? Um, it might be a different level of emergency after like coronavirus, but it's still an emergency for everyday people if you don't have these things. And most people are getting more sick 
uh, because they're forced to go to work when they're sick, right? Because they're not getting paid if they don't. So I think it's important that independent media keeps covering these things. And I think that's kind of what we do as status quo. We bring out the silent emergencies and make them a lot louder. Uh, I think, oh, that's good branding right there. It is very good. <laughs> um, we basically, we don't go into communities when something is already breaking and like all the cameras are there. We go when no one's there. Uh, and that takes a certain vision to identify what are those emergencies uh, that people like the ABC anchor that was marveled by, by you going live for two hours. They don't see it because frankly, they're not paid to see it or care for that matter. So uh, that's the deal. I think this was a good first podcast. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was great. And we will take your questions, comments, concerns, complaints. I'm sure people will say, <laughs> stop harping on Bernie. Don't print. You know, I'm getting that sometimes. But also, we can't be, you know, Bernie bros and gals, too. We got to be journalists. And with that comes criticism uh, if, if it's warranted. You know, I, I say never trust anyone, a commentator, a journalist, who are always all good or all bad towards yep. anyone. Because uh, there are a lot of people out there. Uh, there sure are. That are, you know, kind of, uh, what do they call stands? Stands? Yeah, stands. For certain politicians, which I think is dangerous. So we're going to uh, be tweaking the formula. We will have content, uh, podcast content, just for members too. Uh, I think we'll start off with, you know, a couple free episodes and then also be doing premium ones. And hopefully we could get our level up to uh, Chapo. What does Chapo make? Like 150000 a month? Oh my Chapo? gosh. They have Zoomed out. Yeah, I think it's $150,000 a month now. So, so we'll, Chapo, we'll, if, we'll get there. <laughs> if Chapo happens to be listening, you know, we'd be happy to come on and, uh, yeah promote our new podcast but in the meantime those premium episodes are going to be super juicy so statuscoup.com slash join and i'm sure in this in the premium episodes uh maybe we should do it now start sending in your questions to us now because mm -hmm. we could answer people in some of those answer questions in some of those premium episodes uh info at statuscoup.com ask your questions whether it be about politics or whatever you want to know behind the scenes stuff we are here uh, to answer your questions. And actually, that's one thing, Jordan, that I didn't mention yet is I want to have uh, a place where people can call and leave a voice, leave voicemails of questions, and then we'll play those and then answer them live on air for only for premium members, five bucks a month. That sounds like it requires tech to do all that. It's so, it's so easy. I already figured it out. <laughs> I don't have to do anything with it? Nothing. Okay, perfect. All right, <laughs> cool. Bye-bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that last video. Hop on over to statuscoup.com where you can sign up for our email list and become a member for as low as five to ten dollars a month. Membership is how we grow. That's statuscoup.com slash join. And remember, join our email list so we can grow the revolution with you. Statuscoup.